It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. So now I think we can move on to wherever the hell they uh, All right. in the, the hierarchy here. Okay. So, Kyle, here's how I did the power rankings. Now, here's the thing about power rankings before we get into it. They are subjective. Everybody does them differently. If you want to do who's the best teams right now, I think that's different. But here's how I ranked my teams. I did one through eight, and then I put nines because I couldn't decide between eight and nine. This is basically a combination of right now, but also who do we trust? Who do we trust come playoff time is legit. Because even though we're a third of the way through the season, I do think, you know, like the Cavaliers, for example, uh, that's a really good, they've been awesome this year. They've never won a playoff series. They're a relatively new team, relatively young team. I don't know if how high I can put them over some more playoff tested teams. So I basically did this as a combination of playing great right now, but also playoff tested. Do I trust them? So, all right, number one, I'll go through mine and we'll talk about each team, but then tell me if you think they're too high, too low, where you would put them. Number one for me is the Boston Celtics. I average the most points in the NBA. They have the second highest net rating in the NBA. They have Jason Tatum. You'll find the more we do this pod. I am a Jason Tatum fanboy. I believe in him. If I could start <laughs> my team with anybody, it probably would be him or Shea Gilgis Alexander. And I know I'd be wrong about that. There's other people that should go ahead of him. But I'm a big Tatum guy. I've seen him do it in the playoffs. And for me, that's why I put the Celtics number one. Last year, made it to the finals. This year, they've got off to a great start. We talked about their defense. Robert Williams, I think, will you know help that. Uh, you know, I think their defense will end up being better than 13th overall. But they have an outstanding offense. So when you look at a combination of elite wing play between J- uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, obviously a great point guard and Marcus Smart, strong defense, playoff tested, I think they're the best team in the East right now. So really the only counter argument is for Milwaukee, right? And yeah. I I sort of consider them, I think of power rankings more of in tiers where, so I think Boston and Milwaukee are clearly the top tier Agreed. in the East until proven otherwise. Uh, and really, I think Milwaukee, the case for them at number one hinges on do you think Chris Middleton is going to get back to the form he used to be in, or is it going to be this weird season where he came back late and now he's dealing with, you know, load management and other little bumps and bruises that don't have him at full strength. If he gets right by the end of the year, I think I would still take Milwaukee over Boston Mm. partially and not because of the stars. Like I think Tatum to your point is MVP level performer this year is really, really good. Like, 
way better than I ever thought he could be coming out of college where he was not a guy I had uh, super high aspirations for because of his style of play. But I, I think my biggest concern with Boston is that trusting Horford to be such a huge defensive linchpin for them after a long run last year, I think people have discounted that he looked really good last year in part because he basically got a sabbatical in Oklahoma City. And so he's coming off a season where he didn't really play much at all. And then you get the bet. He looks a year younger because of that. And and that was really helpful. And I know Robert Williams will obviously make a big difference. I agree with you there that having both of those guys in the lineup and being able to do different things defensively, that's all well and good. I just, I do worry a little bit about Horford and, you know, they get to, may and june and these guys are piling up minutes piling up minutes whether he still has enough in the tank to be you know one of their most important defensive players so that's that's the case against them and then the middleton thing for milwaukee but they're the clear top two until somebody else can prove otherwise in a uh a playoff format because I, I mean milwaukee offered the stiffest test to boston in the East Con- eastern conference playoffs last year arguably should have won that series if not mm-hmm. for a heroic game six from Tatum and then game seven Boston just shot the lights out and you know one of those nights you can't do anything about it yeah so I agree I have bucks number two so we'll just just get into kind of comparing them off of what you said I think they have the best combination of elite talent but also playoff tested and I know that sometimes it doesn't always come year to year you know just because the Cavs weren't in it last year doesn't mean they can't be legit this year just because the heat were great this year last year in the playoffs doesn't mean this year but i do think the celtics have that i would almost compare them to the chiefs and the bills in the nfl of elite talent big game tested and they can do it on both ends they have the star players especially if middleton comes back to your point when i look at how the sixers could match up against either of them you could make the case joel's the best player on either of those teams i would personally take Giannis or tatum but you could make the case joel is I just think the difference is the Celtics have Jalen Brown. He's better than James Harden. And then the Bucks have Chris Middleton. Him versus Harden's debatable, I guess. I think because of the injuries and he's kind of on and off the court with Middleton, it maybe is a little closer. But I think Middleton still has a higher ceiling right now than Harden was. Harden does. I just think those teams have star powers the Sixers can't really match with. Well, the bigger problem for the Sixers in both those matchups, well, two separate problems. In the Milwaukee matchup, Drew Holiday is going to give James Harden absolute fits. Like yes. He's just, he, it is not a good matchup for Harden where you can just stick Drew on James Harden for the entire game. And I don't think he's getting to the rim more than a couple of times. Like, that's a big problem. Now, I say that James did have a big game against Milwaukee early in the season. They played some small ball and really messed with Milwaukee's continuity there. They got back into that game despite the fact that. You know, Joel was still kind of going through the motions early in the season. So that was encouraging. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I don't love that matchup. I don't love how between the Giannis, Middleton, Holiday combo, you have several different options to punish Tyrese Maxey's lack of size. Like that's yeah. a potential problem in that matchup. And then in the Boston scenario, I worry about how you defend them. Just period. Like I, I, when you it's hard to cover one high-end wing like Tatum and Brown is not at his level, but he is, I don't know, wherever you want to put him in the, the NBA hierarchy. 
phenomenal athlete, guy who can get by you, quick first step, all that stuff. And, you know, whoever you use to stop Tatum, and I don't think you're stopping him as much as slowing him down, I think the other guy is going to be in a bad matchup against Jalen Brown or vice versa. And then even after that, you have to worry about can Marcus Smart just take Tyrese Maxey down to the post and yeah. score over him? Can, you know, Malcolm Brogdon off the bench get going against either of James Harden or Tyrese Maxey? Like they're, they're a deep team this year with a lot of offensive weaponry. They're just very good. And I don't think Joel has shown over a sustained period of time that he's going to overwhelmingly be the best player on the floor against either of those teams. Like I honestly am pretty concerned about the Milwaukee matchup specifically. I think Brooke Lopez has actually done a really good job, broadly speaking of defending him. And so if you can take Joel down a notch and then you're relying on the rest of these guys, those become much more difficult series to win. Like you need, James Harden to be James Harden in a series against the Bucks, for example, where we already said J- Drew Holiday is making his life miserable. And so then it's like, all right, Tyrese, it's all up to you and Tobias to uh, to raise your level and be better. And, you know, maybe that happens, but he's still a young guy with not a ton of playoff reps that you know, that's a big ask for him. Well, I think what you said about Joel is is so true because we can talk about Middleton versus Harden, Brown versus whoever. Joel has not shown that for seven games he can be consistent enough, whereas Giannis has shown it. I think Tatum has shown it as well, and that would be the main difference. Last question before we move on to the other teams. Really quickly, the Sixers play the Bucs. The Sixers play the Celtics in a seven-game series. Right now, what would you – I mean, I know you would pick the Bucs and the Celtics, but do you think they go seven, or do you think the Sixers are even competitive against them right now? I think they'd be competitive, and this will, I guess, is a spoiler. I, despite this tough, the tough start, and they're sitting fifth in the standings right now. I think I would still put the Sixers third. In oh, the that's where I would go. So, and I, so I think, you know, I still think they're a tier below, and I don't think they're as serious a contender as Boston and Milwaukee, but I do think that the Sixers still have the spine of a team that could potentially be great if things break right. Yeah. And so, you know, if things go on the trajectory they're on right now, if Tyrese comes back and they integrate him well while still getting the most out of Melton in these lineups that we've talked about being really, really good with Tyrese on the sideline, I think they have a chance to, at the very least, scare one of these top teams. And, you know, on their best day, in their best series, I I do think they have a puncher's chance to beat them. So I put the Sixers third as well. The reason I put them there is because if you look at the teams that would be around them, I think the Nets are in the discussion. Cavaliers are probably in that discussion right now. You could, you know, the Heat, we'll get get to them. But I think the Sixers of the second tier, of the teams that aren't the Bucs and the Celtics, they have an elite player in Joel, checkered playoff pass, but an elite player. They have tons of playoff experience. We can knock them for it, but they have playoff experience that, frankly, the Nets don't have. They have play experience that the Cavs don't have. The Hawks do, but the Hawks are you know, well below the Sixers at this point. And to your, to your point about putting a scare into teams, although the Sixers' lack of playoff fresh, uh, success frustrates me to no end, 
they at least have gone to game sevens. They've advanced far. I mean, if you could argue if a ball bounces a different way, if you know Ben doesn't pass it, if Tyrese doesn't foul this guy, we're talking if Kwai shot doesn't go in, we're talking about a team that's been to the Eastern Conference Finals twice. So as much as the loss is what matters, and that's ultimately to me why I don't think they're in that tier of the Celtics and the Bucks. They they have played in big playoff series. And to what we were talking about you know, a few minutes ago, I think we're starting to see them piece together a semblance of what they could look like. I cover the Eagles who know who they are. Every Sunday, they know who they are. I think the Sixers are figuring out who they are. And I think that that, that can make them really good. So I would still put them third, despite the, the, uh, despite the fact that they're fifth in the standings, despite the fact I'm frustrated to no end with them. I still think they probably are the third best team in the East. Yeah, and if so, if we're looking at if we say the next tier in my mind is the teams that are three, four, five in the standings, which I I think at this point I'm okay with that. I don't think the Knicks, I don't think the Heat, I don't think anybody else are you know at that level. I think the Sixers are the clear winners in the like the matchups with those teams specifically. Mm -hmm. So if you play Cleveland, for example. I think Joel historically has kicked Jared Allen's ass. I think Evan Mobley is a really good player who's going to have a tremendous career, but is just not really built to defend someone like Joel. I do think that Donovan Mitchell has been better than I've expected there, and he's going to give the Sixers problems in that sort of matchup. But I don't think he's quite good enough to be like the overwhelming, he just carries you to a series victory in a matchup where they just have no answers for Joel. Like, I, I just don't think he can quite reach that level as much respect as I have for him. And then you go to Brooklyn and I think it's the same problem. I think they're not, a, they've been better defensively lately, but they are just not equipped to guard Joel at all. Like so, it might be a series. He scores 40 points a game. So a couple things first, let me ask, I want the, I'll just give my nets take first. All right. The Nets are a non-serious team. I am done believing in the Nets. They could be the number one seed. They could win 20 straight games. They could sweep the first round. This is a team that we have seen is a fake team. Durant will get hurt. Kyrie will do something. Ben won't be there. When they play their best for one game, I think they could be the best team in the East. We could debate Celtics, Bucks, whatever. Durant's unbelievable. Kyrie has been one of the best playoff slash clutch performers. He's an unstoppable bucket. All those things are true. And when Ben is being the best version of Ben, like the best possible version, I think he fits in well. But none of that is going to happen. For as much as we talk about the Sixers' inconsistencies and whether Joel will be there, Harden will be there, Joel is more dependable than Kyrie Irving. He's more dependable than Ben Simmons. Durant, you know, whatever. Durant is plays, but he's also not been great in the playoffs recently. I, I just think when I look at the Nets, I spent too many years of my life afraid of the Nets. And Kyle, I'm done with it. I'm done being afraid of the Nets. I don't care about this recent stretch. I don't care that they put 91 points up. They are a fake team. And I just refuse to say that I view them as legitimate title contenders. Well, so to your point, I just want to run through the, there are, there are what, 11 and one, 10 and one since uh, Thanksgiving, I believe. Yeah. Let's just go through the games they've played during this stretch. All right. They beat Portland. That's that was a good performance. I watched some of that's a that's a pretty good win. Portland's not bad. They beat Orlando. They suck. They beat Washington. <laughs> they suck. Yep. They beat Toronto. They suck, as we saw the other night. Sixers almost blew that game anyway. They lost to Boston. Only good team we've named so far. Mm -hmm. They beat the Hornets. Charlotte sucks. They beat Atlanta. Dumpster fire who 
you know, Trey Young is there's reports coming out that yep. you know he might ask out soon. They beat the Pacers. Not like fun and Halliburton's good. They're not very good. They beat the Wizards again. They suck. They beat Toronto again. They suck. They yeah. beat the Pistons. They suck. And their final win, which was the win they just got where they won by 30, they played the Warriors with no Steph, no Wiggins, no Clay Thompson. Yeah. Who cares? Like, I, none of that means anything. Like, I yeah. don't, am I supposed to throw a fucking parade for these guys? Like, uh, they haven't beaten anybody. I, I 100% agree with you. And now, look, we should acknowledge a bit of the, uh, I'm going to not be able to think of the word, a bit of the, the hypocrisy of saying, well, the Sixers are 6-0, and and they've they've not played good teams. The Raptors were in there. The Pistons were in there. The Warriors without people. The difference is the Sixers have won playoff series. The Sixers, at least their stars, play most of the games. I just... I am not buying into the Nets. Point blank period. I'm not buying into them. I refuse to be tricked by them again. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So I think it seems like we're on the same page with that. Let me get off uh, my cap. And on top of that, and on top of that, I just, and, until Ben Simmons proves he can do anything past the first round of the playoffs, that just, the yeah. rest of it, like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, whatever. Like guys who have proven it on some Yeah, level, they're unbelievable. But, yeah. But Ben Simmons, Show me something, buddy. Like I, I don't care if you put up a triple double in a game in January against the Hornets or have some good games here in December. Look like an actual basketball player. Yeah. Until it's on tape in a real game in a real series. I've said this. I've written this. I've said it a, a thousand times. The funniest part about that Raptor series that the Sixers lost when Jimmy Butler was here is Ben getting all this credit for like. Oh man, he made Kawhi work really hard. <laughs> Kawhi scored 35 points a game. <laughs> yeah, Who cares? So yeah. Who cares he had to work hard? He still kicked his ass at the end of the day. Like, yeah. yeah, he was a better option than Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler or anybody else on the team. Kawhi worked him the whole series. Who cares? Yeah, I, I agree. Now, what's funny after all this, I do think the Nets would be a bit of a tough matchup for the Sixers in some way just because they do have those two elite players that – God forbid, as much as I don't believe in them, man, they can be clutch at times. But yeah, I'm, I'm out on the Nets. Here, here's my Cavs thing. The Cavs, to me, are a team that I would really like. Built around guards. Donovan Mitchell has had good playoff experience, has had good playoff series. And I think you could almost debate me if I had either was frustrated enough with Joel or had enough old fashions in me to take Donovan Mitchell over Joel to start my team. That's how much no I way. believe. Okay, I'm just just saying you could convince me. I, I wouldn't definitely do it. You could convince me to go with a, a guard that attacks a basket and played big in the playoffs. You could convince me. The thing about the Cavs and why I actually have the heat ahead of them right now is because... Ooh, spicy. Thank you. So to me, the heat, and I'm going to hate myself for saying this, and I hope that this is not something that makes its way onto Twitter. I'm a little bit of a believer in the heat culture thing of... For what it works. Oh, worked, here we go. I'm just here saying, I kind of am, man. I'm a big Tyler Hero guy, also very annoying. I can respect that. But they are a team that in the playoffs has consistently outperformed what people expected of them. They have a ton of playoff experience. I think they're a team that could be coasting a little bit. 
Now they have been bad this year, 29th in points, 20th in net rating. They have not been good. And the Cavs have been really good. But the Cavs, I just don't know if they're ready to beat a team like the Heat or the Sixers. Maybe the Nets because the Nets are fake, but definitely not the Celtics or the Bucks. I just think the Cavs have such their their uh you know path to winning a title. They're not ready yet. They're not there yet. This is not the season they win it. They have a bright future. I just don't. I will. I would not pick them over the Heat in a playoff series. I think that's fair. And you know, to your point, I, Jimmy has not been as good as he needs to be this year. But we've seen it up close and personal in Philly. Like there were some stretches of the year he was in Philly that there's a lot of revisionist history as if I, I understand picking Ben over Jimmy was a mistake that we can easily identify in hindsight. Yeah. But if you go back and actually, if we were to sit and just watch every game from that year, there are a lot of times where Jimmy is just resting on his laurels and this game doesn't really matter. And he's just as bad as Ben and Joel, like the guy who is the alleged uh, tough as nails competitor plays with an edge, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He was as bad with the mailing it in stuff during the regular season as yeah. they were. And so there is a little bit of mythology when it comes to and, him. And he but, wasn't great in the playoffs either. Well, he had some moments. I will well, say game I, seven. The, didn't he have like 16 points or something like that? Am I misremembering? I thought he had he a bad score. The time basket out of the chaotic. Did, play yeah. and, but there were also some, shot clock violations that I would put right. on him at the end of that game. The right. point being though, like we have seen him be sort of bad in the regular season. Not bad is a strong word. Be below expectations or below standards for stretches of regular seasons and then come in in the playoffs and just reach a level that very few guys in the league can get to. Yeah. And then you add on top of that, that I think Bam Adebayo is like uniquely suited to be good in the playoffs. Just a really versatile switching defender that you can ask him to take basically any matchup and he might not win all of them but he's at least going to force guys into tough shots and so he can clean up a lot of errors and tough assignments for different guys because of that and so i i agree with you that i probably put more respect on them than they have earned with their play so far this year but i do want to see them you know actually look like a yeah night to night competitive and good team you know maybe that happens at some point i i think the the weird thing this year with the whole league but especially the eastern conference there are so many teams that are just like 500 or slightly above 500 and there's almost no way to separate them unless you're looking you're like combing through stats and yeah. different things no i i agree when i sat down to do this i fully expected to put the sixers lower than third but if you don't believe in the Nets and we just discussed the Heat and the Cavs, I don't even know who else is in that discussion. So I have Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Nets, Heat, Cavs. Would you agree with that top three or would you swap? Would you change so that's the first six? Yeah, I think that's that's fair because I guess who's at the tail end? So here's who I have if you want to go from there since you might not have it in front of you. But I have then the Hawks, the Knicks as my eighth. And then I put the Raptors ninth. They are to me a more boring version of the heat, but they do kind of play well when it matters. They are, they, you know, they have Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, like they have some guys. I just don't think they have any stars. And so that's why I would put them ninth, but those would be my next three. I think Siakam is really good, but I think that team is in dire need of just a total shakeup. I I think having watched them the other night and my, there were a lot of people that 
were hipsters and picking them to beat the Sixers in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. And I I was one of the few people who said the Sixers would win in six games because I just had no fear of mm-hmm. playing on the road there. And they can't score in the half court. If you can't score in the half court, you have no chance to win playoff games. And so I, I can't take them seriously until they get some form of shot creation, add more shooting, whatever it is. Like, I appreciate the identity that Toronto has strived for, but when you're a team that's just a bunch of six, eight dudes who mostly can't dribble or shoot, I, I don't know what your path is to being a good enough offense. To it. like, this is the team I figured you would hate the most. They're oh, a yeah, team of guys me. that are just like, <laughs> oh, they just play really hard and they defend yeah. and whatever. But also, that has a shelf life too. You get to a certain point, it's like, all right, they're big and they're long and they turn you over, but then they get the ball and they don't have a clue what to do with it or where to go. So I'm well, really down on them. I, I would say unless Toronto makes some sort of big splashy trade that they're just kind of stuck right now. Yeah. I mean, I was with you last year. I think the Raptors should blow it up. I think they're a team of role players. I think Siakam is basically like Toby on steroids and maybe not even with the way Toby's playing. Siakam is the third best player. I know he was, technically maybe the second best player on a title team but let's be real he's not somebody you can go to in the crunch you're, you're seeing that they don't have they don't have stars they don't have stars the Sixers for whatever the frustration is last year the Sixers had stars and the Raptors didn't that's why I was disappointed they lost to the Heat because I felt that the Heat were similar to their that they have Jimmy but uh Lowry's washed Hero I like Hero but he's not someone you can depend on late in my opinion Bam I don't really care about him he's a center I get your switching <laughs> But, you know, I just don't really care about Bam. So I I look at those teams, and I think they're very similar. It's why the Cavs are interesting to me. But real quick, the Hawks and the Knicks. I just want to make sure that you're aware that you are making these comments about Siakam not being a star the night after he just dropped 52 points on the Yeah. That, that's fine. It's, it's, it's I just want to make sure that everybody listening is yeah. clear on that, 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 that that happened last night. And Elliot's like, yeah, but you know, I don't really believe in that. That's guy. fine. Toby could do it. If Toby was the best <laughs> player on a team, like Siakam's doing this when the games don't matter early in the regular season, let him do it in the postseason again without Kwai. And then, and then I'll believe in Siakam. I think Siakam is, has a real chance to make another all NBA team is what I would say. So, and I think, I think that'd be such a complete waste of an all NBA team. He's the most, to me, the most like irrelevant player there is. He will always get you to a six or seven seed. You'll talk yourself into him and then you'll always get bounced in the first round with him. He's kind of Evan Turner. Only. Oh, only Turner. come on. Only, only better. Again, no team with Siakam as their best. Evan Turner, player, if he was really back. good, would be a really good player, I guess. Yeah. Well, Speaking yeah. of Evan Turner, like way off topic. Did you see the, um, he had a tweet recently where, did you see they renamed all the NBA awards after players? I did. Yes. Yeah. And someone said when LeBron retires, what's the award they should name after him? And Evan Turner quote tweeted it. And he said, if there's ever another bubble championship, they should name <laughs> that trophy after that him. It's like, yeah. oh my God. It what is a- it is funny looking back. I, I'm a LeBron guy. I think the last dance persuaded me to say Jordan's a goat. I'm very persuadable in the moment, as you can tell with my Siakam takes. But 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 I do think the Lakers bubble to- trophy does look bad in retrospect. You look at those pictures and it does look like they win it in a rec gym with nobody there. Like a few years removed. I don't know how much of a real title that is for LeBron. I'm I'm a fence sitter when it comes to that title because I do think 
when I watched the Lakers that year, they did have the vibe of like, that's the best team, or at least yeah. like they're in the conversation. Now, do they win the title ultimately? We never know because COVID completely changed the world and they played in Disney World and it was right. uh, a whole thing. Um, but I, I don't, I, I do discount. It's like, you know, you're playing in front of no fans in Disney World. So yeah, it's it completely, is, there's no home. It is court. pretty cheap. Yeah. It is yeah. pretty cheap, but I, I don't, I don't go totally like asterisk title or oh the Mickey Mouse. Title. I, I would agree. I would agree <laughs> with that, but I do think looking back, and I think what hurts them too is they haven't even been good since then. If they would have made the conference finals the year after, if they would have, I it makes their one path to success was like that. That's what cheapens it for me. All right, the Atlanta Hawks, because I I want to get to this before we have to wrap up. The Atlanta Hawks, I have them below the Cavs, ahead of the Knicks and Raptors. You could persuade me that. But the the Hawks question for you, there's Trey Young talk. Trey Young is, you know, mostly just speculation that he could ask out. This doesn't seem to be anything more than that. I certainly yeah. respect Chris Haynes. He's extremely connected. So I believe it. But it doesn't sound like he's close to act, a- asking out or anything. I don't see a path to the Sixers getting him. I'm all about the hypothetical. But, you know, you don't trade Joel for him. They're not going to trade Harden for him. Maxi's probably not enough yet. And then you could debate that too. So it's interesting. I just, I don't see how it would get done, especially since they don't have any picks. They have no path to him. And yeah. I will say, yeah, so I'll get on my soapbox for a minute. I think Trey is one of the most entertaining players in the league. I think he's one of the best offensive players in the league. I think he might be so bad of a defender that you're going to be hard pressed to win with him unless you just perfectly build the team around him. Well, they I, did I think, make it to the conference finals. They did, but it was because Ben Simmons was a historic coward in a second yeah. round series. Like that was, that was more about. That was about more Sixers, about the Sixers and the Hawks. More about the Sixers choking than it was Atlanta being very good. So I, I think what you've seen since then is that was clearly not like a real title contending threat type of a team. And I think there's a difference between, you know, I'm more of a, I care about defense guy. You are not. Yes. There is a middle ground between not caring about defense. And this guy is one of the single, like maybe one of the 10 worst defenders in the league. And it's one thing to have some guys who are not Scottie Pippen or Kawhi Leonard or whoever on the perimeter. But when you go into every possession and that there's a guy on the floor who's just like, that guy's food for whoever is in front of him, anybody who can dribble, anybody who is like six, four or taller, which is basically the entire NBA at this point, yeah. guy's going to die on every screen you set on him. When all, when a guy who's apathetic off the ball as it is, like doesn't really care about defense on top of all that. Mm-hmm. That's a hard person unless they are like by far, the best offensive player in the league. And he's not like, he is one of the best offensive he's players. Come, he's come down though, for sure. He's not, right. and he's not having, I thought, yes, he's not having a, a typical a plus Trey young season on offense so far. Yeah. And I think part of the problem also has been the numbers have been okay with him and DeJounte Murray. Like I think DeJounte Murray is a very good player, but I don't think the fit looks very good. And you're starting to see like, if it's not the Trey show, and he's not the guy with the ball in his hands that theoretically he should be a good off ball player in the sense that he's a great shooter and you can put him off movement and space the floor, do some interesting things with him. I don't think Trey in the Atlanta games I've watched has been 
particularly impactful in that way. And I don't think he really wants to do it. I think he wants the ball in his hands as most great players do. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's going to, it might end up being a situation where a team who is kind of on the outside looking in of NBA relevancy is just like, you know, who cares? Like we don't really care about these problems. Right. This guy sells tickets. He's really entertaining. And he's probably, he might be a guy that you could convince somebody else to play with a big man specifically. He'll get you a lot of easy buckets and pick and rolls and what have you. But I don't know if like a real deal team trying to contend is pushing in chips to be the Trey young team. Like I think he's a really, and I don't mean, I feel like I'm more, I'm sounding more down on him than I actually am, but I no, think but that's I, a I real conversation that'll be had. Yeah, and look, I agree with your assessment because I think this time last year, if we did this pod, you could have convinced me to maybe trade Joel for him. But I don't think he has turned into the player coming off that conference finals run that people thought he would. He's really, you know, he's a good shooter, but he's not a Steph Curry type shooter to your point about being that kind of guy. The last hypothetical I'll throw you before, just for fun, would you trade Maxi for him? If it's straight up? Then, yeah, yeah but I mean that's like obviously impossible. If they were, if that was possible, I would do it just because I think. Would you Trey, trade Harden? Would you trade Harden for him straight up? Well, that's because the problem there is then you have to trade Maxi. That's a situation. Yeah, because then you have Maxi and Young. It's well, contingent on. I would just because Trey is younger and I think he's, again, one of the best playmakers in the league. All that he has significant gravity that James just probably does not have at this point and he can get Mm -hmm. by guys and you know what have you um but i think that's contingent on what do you do with tyrese like what does that trade bring back and how does the team change around it like i think you'd be foolish to say you wouldn't trade in his mid-30s harden for trey young now that it just would never happen because atlanta's not doing that um but i do think trey young with joel Embiid there's a lot of a lot of potential there it's never going to happen but you know it's, yeah it's interesting yeah but it's just crazy because i would do i would trade harden for him and i probably would do maxi but i'm not as into it as i used to be as much as we make fun of not 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 make fun i should say as much as we point to maxi's you know size issues it's the same for trey young i think maxi has the same type of shooting ceiling so you could convince me not to do that. I've definitely soured on Trey Young. And, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that a Hawks team that looked like they were on the Ascension, they acquired Deontay Murray and he's still, uh, Deontay Murray, I'm going to mispronounce that. And they still are, might, he might ask out, I think also speaks poorly to him a little bit too. So, all right. We there did have been problems. some some rumors about, you know, guys don't really love playing with Trey. Like there's yeah. not, again, we talk about vibes. I don't think the vibes are great there. I do think on the maxi thing real quick before we go, Trey is a level of passer that Tyrese is just never going to be. That's, yeah, I think that's We fair. can say whatever we want about Tyrese's growth and his shooting and what have you, but Trey is a special level playmaker that I – if Tyrese was even like 75% of that, he's a, a max player well into the future. So that is a big difference maker. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. And I think, look, Trey Young, for all of his problems, and we can say it was the Sixers, he has won big playoff series, like point blank. So that he has that on his resume. 